Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4074 of the Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world with me, Andy Zaltzman. You may well ask, but you say Andy Zaltzman, who was once a member of the Soviet Politburo in the 1980s. And I'll respond, no, that was entirely Verotnikov, completely different person. Unlike Verotnikov, I'm not dead, which is one of the many reasons I'm hosting this podcast. Another is that my people run shelters, and another is just basic destiny. Poor old man generations here we are. I'm here in London, the city where barely a day goes by these days without someone saying something about something or other. And two people who are going to say things about things join me today. Uh, welcome back to the Bugle to Nish Kumar. Hello, Nish. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Your people, Andy? What? Well, well, yeah. Your people? Can I just remind you of what just happened immediately before we started recording? Andy's off to play cricket. And uh, he said, uh, and obviously afterwards I'll be popping off to the synagogue because he forgot that the Jewish Sabbath is on Saturday. Well, no, it starts on Friday evening. <laughs> Does it start on Friday yes. evening? Come on, I'm not that far out of the loop. It's changing the rules to suit your purposes, mate. <laughs> um, um, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. Been uh, watching a lot of cricket. Um, Unsurprising. Which is, uh, which is good. Um, and also joining us for the first time. Uh, it's a delight to welcome James Nikita. Uh, hello, James. It's great to have you on the on the bugle. Our first uh, representative on the bugle from uh, New Zealand and the Pacific Ocean, essentially. Yes, a, a small part of the world. Yeah, um, very very tiny uh, area. Yeah, New Zealand and the Pacific is actually our official title. <laughs> that is. I mean, you are the representative. So you're from. Uh, were you born in Samoa or born in New Zealand? Born in New Zealand. Right, but from a Samoa and so, uh, you, you always t- tell me if I'm not pronouncing Samoa <laughs> Sa- correct. Samoan. Sa- Samoan. Samoan. There we go. Uh, Although American Samo- uh, Samoans tell, will tell you, "Oh, we're from American Samoa," and right. then you go, "Oh, yeah, fat Samoans do you speak Samoan?" And they're like, yeah, First hour more, and they're like, "What are you doing, man?" <laughs> um, so you are you are the official now, the official bugle representative for uh, all about forty six percent of the world's surface area. So oh, excellent! Oh, well, hello, buglers. Uh, please send your questions. <laughs> I know all about all of the Pacific. <laughs> uh, we are recording on uh, Friday, the 29th of June, uh, twenty eighteen, uh, making it exactly eleven years to the day since the launch of the very first iPhone. Um, presaging the return of hieroglyphics to human communication. Uh, it's amazing to think that just 11 years, or in layman's terms, 2.75 Olympic cycles ago, human beings were still able to express their emotions in words rather than simply cartoon faces. And on this day, 190 years ago, 1828, the teenage Charles Dickens wrote his first uh, and as yet unpublished novel, I Hate Darren, or Why Brenda is a Bitch. And uh, zero years since this day in 2018, when England's footballers were just 16 days away from beating Brazil 6-0 in the World Cup final. <laughs> that may be the biggest piece of bullshit you've ever said on this podcast, <laughs> and that is a big, big claim. Uh, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, an F occult section. We look at... Um, the new ethical occult movement, <laughs> trying to bring some uh, much-needed morality to the art of the occult. Um, we look at uh, vegan haruspicy. Uh, Haruspex is traditionally relied on uh, looking at the corpses and entrails of animals to tell the future. Uh, but contemporary values reject the exploitation of the animal kingdom for the purposes of looking ahead to what is to come. And science suggests that we're just as likely to get an accurate prognostication of the future by looking at the corpses of vegetables instead. So uh, we test out uh, in, of, in, <laughs> in our ethical sense. Uh, pair of the all-new I, vegan. I really enjoy it when even you can't believe what's coming out of your f***ing <laughs> mouth. We test out a pair of the all-new vegan Haru spectacles from Veggie Corp. 
uh, to look into the future by examining the rotting flesh of a dead aubergine or splatting a tomato on a bench and interpreting the uh, pattern of the seeds or punching a watermelon and then augiogesticating uh, the future uh, based on the trickle parts of the juice uh, down your arm. We also um, review the latest range of vegan Haru spices, the spice blends that you can put onto your uh, smashed up aubergines and tomatoes to make them taste nicer when you eat the future. And we review the Necromancy app. Um, that's spelled S-I, uh, exclamation mark at the end. Of course, consensual communication with the spirits of the dead. Um, is all the rage these days, uh, disturbing the afterlife only of those who have consented while still alive to having their peace interfered with after they have transitioned to the other side. According to polling, the majority of souls of the dead do not want to be bothered with queries from the realm of the living. Uh, and the Necromancy app uh, pairs you up with a willing communicorps who is only too happy to pass judgment, wisdom and advice from beyond the grave. May result in your late Auntie Doreen banging on about her Arthur wasn't the man she thought he was... Uh, <laughs> when they married after the war. Uh, but uh, rather than revealing eternal truths or predictions of the future, but better than enraging the ghosts of the peacefully past. Uh, that section in the bin. <laughs> Top story this week. Well, there's another anniversary. The anniversary of this exact day in 1927, when the Bird of Paradise... Uh, a Fokker trimotor uh, aeroplane completed the first Trans-Pacific flight from mainland USA to Hawaii. So not entirely Trans-Pacific, but Trans <laughs> enough of the Pacific to get an entry on Wikipedia. <laughs> and uh, to mark this occasion, we have an entire Pacific News section. Uh, James, um, well, why don't you, you kick this off as the uh, Bugle representative for, uh, for the Pacific <laughs> Ocean and Contents. Bugle ambassador. He's a bugle ambassador for the... <laughs> All right. Coconut leaf plates are on the table as Samoa uh, looks beyond single-use plastics. Uh, this is the banning of plastic bags uh, uh, by Samoa uh, to uh, make it more environmentally friendly. They're looking to host uh, the uh, Pacific... Athletic Games, and they're hoping to make it a green Pacific Games by getting rid of all plastic. I'm not sure they're really aware how much plastic is involved in athletic uh, <laughs> tournaments. We've gone with plastic bags first. We're going to replace them uh, with coconut leaf plates, uh, or as we refer to in Samoa, that thing we used to do um, <laughs> before. Oh, oh, that again, isn't that it? That thing. Um, hey, you're outnumbered on this one. <laughs> Pipe down, colonizer. <laughs> yeah, Kuma, that's Fijian. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, and uh, and this, is, this is all we've got. Vanuatu have also uh, done this. A few countries are looking to uh, ban plastics uh, over there. Uh, New Zealand's taking a different approach. They're, they're charging uh, for plastic bags. You can, you can bring your own coconut leaf plate uh, to the supermarket if you want. But, <laughs> but you can, you've still got to pay if you want to get the plastic bag uh, because of the massive waste going on in the Pacific at the moment, uh, which is, which is a, a good approach to Sam Warm, Prime Minister, uh, who is, uh, as, as we always say, a, a criminal and an assassin. Um, he's... Uh, I can say that when I'm in London. Yeah. And <laughs> how, how successful an assassin is he? He's. Uh, do you know Samoa actually has more political assassinations than any other uh, country? Right. Uh, is that yeah. per capita or just as a total? Because I mean, it's not a big I place. I think is it? per capita. I right. Think. Okay. I mean, if, if it is by actual number, we're doing very well. What's the, pop the population's? What? Uh, population is about 175. Oh, 175,000. Yeah. So I mean, if, it, if you have more political assassinations than Russia, then you are doing extremely, extremely well. well. I mean, a hell of a way to enforce that 
that plastic bag van. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, the idea is that someone uh, if you assassinate a political opponent by getting a distant relative from another village to take them out. Right. Um, that's not how we enforce the plastic bag. <laughs> but it's 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 the um, the main uh, problem with the plastic bags is that they choke uh, all of the. Uh, uh, marine wildlife and, and, and the plants there. The plants can't breathe. A lot of water-based plants there. Um, and also it looks really ugly. So you, <laughs> right. you, you cut down on the tourism. And the tourism, uh, apart from marijuana, is the main economic uh, <laughs> part. Although they've just figured out that you can grow coffee in Samoa. So we could also have a cocaine bust coming up. <laughs> so. Well, congratulations, Samoa. Very impressive. Sadly, Britain will not be following your lead. Uh, as uh, we are between series of Blue Planet. <laughs> we cannot act on anything environmentally unless David Attenborough tells us. And so if it doesn't come up in the next series, I'm afraid the environment is shit out of luck. And, I mean, David Attenborough is, I mean, with all due respect to the man, n- no longer a young man. Uh, and whilst, But he's keeping it tight, Andy. He, I mean, he is keeping it impressively. He's over 90, isn't he? He's de- yeah, he's definitely over 90. So, he's, in, he's in the nervous 90s. I mean, he's nearer... <laughs> He's, yeah, I mean, that's always a t- of tough people. Have, yeah, the, when the century beckons. <laughs> Do you give a bigger state funeral to him or the Queen? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they must be looking uh, at some they kind the, of joint are, thing, aren't they? <laughs> are you suggesting that David Attenborough and the Queen are in a suicide pact? <laughs> well, they did just do the tree thing together. They did a perfect cover. <laughs> if England don't make the World Cup final. Is that a Bugle exclusive, Andy? <laughs> England's World Cup prospects directly affect a suicide pact between David Attenborough and the Queen. Is that what you, Andy Zaltzman, are saying? I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> This is a mighty oak over here, and if England don't make the final, let's both string ourselves up to it. <laughs> All right, David. Um, but the point, I mean, basically, we've got the rest of David Attenborough's lifespan to cure the environment, because yeah. when he's gone, that's off the table, isn't it? Well, unless we really accelerate our human cloning project, yeah, we may just have to permanently clone an Attenborough. Right. Just to keep, because otherwise, I mean, if he doesn't tell us to do stuff, we simply don't do it. Is there no successor lined up? Like a 60 year old guy just in the wings waiting to take <laughs> over? I genuinely can't think of anyone who people like in Britain as much as they like David Attenborough. Right. I honestly, could, off the top of my head. Skip a generation, go for a younger Attenborough. <laughs> younger Attenborough. You'd probably just screw it up and have Jack Whitehall doing something. Here's me and my dad, and we're in Samoa. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was yeah because it was him that it, it, the last series of Blue Planet caused single-use straws to be banned here. Well, then I mean they they're just frowned upon now. I mean Nando's has banned them. That's and that's where I get most of my policy <laughs> information from. So what have you, what have you got now? Like metal ones or uh... Uh, no? I think now uh, people are making the long journey from their face to the cup. Right. All right. All right. I they're think not that... just like slurping it out of puddles on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Just rolling up a 20 and trying Again. to suck it out. <laughs> Again, based on Nando's, no. no. But as I say, I have very little window into the UK other than what's happening in Nando's. <laughs> um, the uh, chief executive of the Samoan Ministry of Natural Resources and Environment, uh, Ulu Bismarck Crawley. Which is colonialism as a name. <laughs> oh, Ulu Bismarck Crawley. Also, I really feel sorry for... I don't mind when people get places like London affixed to them, but Crawley... <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've been, James, but it is a f***ing shithole. I grew up in Croydon, which is a shithole, and we would always be like, well, at least we're not Crawley. He's yeah. done well on the German funder. I mean, Bismarck. That's Bismarck, very, Bismarck is pretty good. He did a job, didn't he? Yeah, Bismarck. <laughs> he was there. Bismarck. <laughs> 
talking about Bismarck like he's a holding midfielder. <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching too much football. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Bismarck, he did a job. He wasn't spectacular, but he was an important part of Just... the 1867 German central midfield. Uh, Crawley said that the issue is too large for us to sit by without taking any action. Um, well, I mean, clearly not been not been watching and learning from 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 the, the us. No, you know? take a leaf from, out of your namesake book. Sitting by and not taking action is the absolute best way to <laughs> not deal with these problems. <laughs> Well, it's probably because uh, Samoa wasn't uh, colonised very much by Britain. It was mainly Germany, and then New Zealand took over afterwards. So they haven't actually had much in the way of British colonialism right. done on them. It's been a, and oh, the Kiwi one's very sounds like an opportunity waiting. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> well, this post Brexit, we may be having to try and get our empire back. Well, maybe we will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll add Samoa to the to the applications list. Here's a fact on plastics. In 19, uh, the 1950s, about 2 million tonnes of plastic were made a year, and uh, it's now 330 million tonnes. Good Lord. And uh, that is set to become a billion tonnes a year by 2050. So uh, those straws could make all the f***ing difference. All, all the difference. I mean, is it not time to, you know, to put a positive spin on this? Yeah. And, you know, all these straws in the ocean, uh, these essentially... A micro snorkels for, <laughs> for the lazy tortoise. <laughs> that is that is a Shane Warne Mathia Marilitheran <laughs> level of spin that you've managed to put on that, Andy. Who just get all the straws in the dolphin blowhole? <laughs> How many could be? <laughs> Can we not do a, like a, a Superman four? Uh, manoeuvre and just round all the plastic and shoot it at the sun. This, I this mean, seems like a very... That seems like the sort of thing Elon Musk would come up with if he wasn't busy inventing stupid f***ing flamethrowers that no one needs. No, I mean, that's that's very much how I, I deal with the, the world's you know, looming environmental catastrophe. It's just put on my let Elon Musk deal with it wristband. That's adding more plastic waste to the world. <laughs> You say the flamethrower is stupid, but when you are in your Cadillac in space, <laughs> something's coming towards you. I f***ing hate Elon Musk. I know that's not the point of what we're trying to say here. I f***ing hate him. He's what would have happened if Tony Stark hadn't been bombed in the desert. He's just a jackass. Uh, in other Pacific news, a uh, naked hermit. Um, if you're going to be a hermit, be a naked hermit. Right. Tackle yeah. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never understood why in the film Castaway, Tom Hanks bothered with a loincloth. Well, because the you... volleyball saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise Wilson was such a prude. I mean, I think you've got to go one of two ways. You've either got to go full naked hermitry, yeah. as uh, this uh, a Japanese gentleman, Masafumi Nagasaki, aged 82, has done for the last 30 years, or full three-piece business suit and tie. <laughs> There's, there's no middle ground for me. You either have to let it all hang out or make yourself feel like you mean business. I'm never inviting you to a smart, casual birthday party, Andy. I have a terrible feeling it would be top half tucks and tails, bottom half tackle out. Uh, or, alternatively, full suit of armour, just so when you're rescued from the desert <laughs> island, there will be a very awkward pause. Um, Mr Nagasaki had lived uh, for th- nearly 30 years on the remote island of Soto Banari. Uh, 230 kilometres east of Taiwan, but then fell ill and has now been told that he cannot go back to his uh, his joyously naked <laughs> hermit's paradise. 
Um, which is... Uh, Seems a bit of a shame. It does, doesn't it? Leave, it? leave him out there. Also, I mean, I know he's not well, but I saw a photo of the guy. He's keeping it tight. <laughs> For an 82 I think or... I want to f*** the naked hermit. <laughs> well, like a naked I mean, hermit Mitch, was like a... just not a sentence. But... <laughs> Really, anyone wanted this. These are the times we live in. <laughs> and his he, he's keeping it tight. He right. makes Attenborough look and like an absolute ugly. <laughs> Wait, does that mean before you saw the naked hermit, you were considering f***ing David Attenborough? <laughs> it's on. It's on my to-do list. This show has taken it. <laughs> Terminal was not intending it to take. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, the weird thing is, like, why not let him go back? Because if you were gonna like. For years, people have been talking, oh, paradise. Oh, when you die, you go to heaven. Surely heaven is a small, tropical Pacific island where you walk around naked. Like, <laughs> just let him go out. But also, he's repeatedly said that he wants to die alone on the island. Like, he's found a kind of peace. So I don't understand why they're sort of... Why must they interfere with yeah. that desire? And also, he's a very good kind of human... Yeah, kind of test tube experiment for, yeah. for Brexit, which is essentially... He's a one-man... <laughs> He wants to die alone <laughs> on an island, very much like with his the dick out. <laughs> I think, I think, if you guys in Britain all got your dicks out and just didn't put clothes on, the Brexit would come a lot quicker, <laughs> easier for you. Maybe that, maybe that's the deal. Yeah. We just t- send Boris Johnson over there. We go meet our terms. And the EU goes no, and then Boris Johnson gets his cock and balls out, and they're like, "We will give you Spain." Yeah, <laughs> I think you would get about halfway down the zip before the, some kind of compromise. <laughs> would be on the table. Um, <laughs> but also, I think the other thing that we've got to factor in, because I was reading this story thinking, why are they sending about? The thing is, if you're 82 years old in this country, people might say things like, look, he's had a great life, let him go out the way he chooses to. But obviously, this is Japan we're talking about. So 82 in Japan is basically English 40. <laughs> so they're looking at this guy being like, mate, you've got your whole life ahead of you. You're 82. You're, you're a spring chicken. <laughs> Um, I like how he goes for a weekly shop. I don't know if you're aware. His family <laughs> spends some money and he chucks on a suit and goes like, that's going to be the best. That's cheating, isn't it? <laughs> How's it going, mate? Still naked on the island? Yeah. I have some coconut water, thanks. Non-ironically. That is the mother of all online shops. <laughs> Having to fly a drone over with some cabbages in a bag. Surely you go yourself. Sure, sure you go, got leave, to. Leave the drone. I'm gonna... He said something quite moving. He said, in civilization, people treated me like an idiot and made me feel like one. On this island, I don't feel like that. Here, I follow nature's rules. And that is wonderful, poetic stuff. And I think... But, I mean, if everybody lived like that, it would be a terrible state of affairs. If every time everyone was made to feel like an idiot, they just absconded from civilization and sat on an island, that island would be full of naked idiots. I mean, also, we don't know what the fruit bats are thinking. Oh, yeah. They could be flying around and going, look at this idiot on the island. Put some clothes on your dick. <laughs> Uh, well, we have an exclusive Bugle competition. Uh, you could win a 30-year stint alone on an island in the Pacific in the buff if you can answer the following question correctly. Which medieval European king was renowned for his unilateral displays of nudity? Was it A, Alfonso the Clothesless, B, Boleslav the Nude, C, Ivan the Wobbly, or D, Louis the Unignorably Tumescent? <laughs> Send your answers in to... Hello, Buglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Unignorably tumescent was your wrestling name, wasn't it? <laughs> um, the incontrovertible boner. <laughs> that was my rap name. <laughs> um, He's got that big dick energy. <laughs> 
Prime Ministerial baby news now. And uh, Jacinda Ardern, uh, the Prime Minister of the All Blacks... Uh, sorry, New Zealand, um, has... <laughs> has... Uh, <laughs> too much war. Has, never thought I'd say has had a baby. Uh, the second elected leader ever uh, confirmed to have given birth whilst in office after a Benazir Bhutto who popped one out in 1990 when Prime Minister of Pakistan. Rumours do persist that Margaret Thatcher gave birth to some form of alien life during a cabinet meeting in 1980. But she might just have got really cross about the trade deficit. The diaries of her political contemporaries are somewhat split on the matter. Whilst... Uh, American President Ulysses S. Grant never had a baby, but Yvonne Goolagong-Corley did have a baby, but despite winning Wimbledon in both 1971 and 1980, he was never an elected leader, <laughs> along with many other women who have also given birth. So there's a bit of background uh, on it. Now, um, it, it's quite an interesting story, this, in it, on a number of levels. Uh, I mean, it's it's been kind of hailed as... Uh, yeah, you know, kind of a display of the modern, tolerant, and open nation that New Zealand is. But also, she became um, em- embryonised. Is that the right, the right word? Yeah, um, I believe. As a father of two, you are the most qualified to know that word. It's the only part of my body that functions. Um, <laughs> Um, around, she became uh, pregnant around the time that she she was uh, forming her coalition just after last year's election, which does rather suggest. Mm. James, that's that. I mean, it reveals a bit about New Zealand politics that here she was thinking to herself, Oh, it looks like I'm going to become Prime Minister of New Zealand. I really, really need something to fill my day. (laughs) Well, actually, it's um, it's probably the time that we came clean as a country. Um, the father, uh, Clark Gayford, is not actually the father, New Zealand. (laughs) Is the father. Oh, right, okay. the, collective. the collective energy of the election yeah. uh, impregnated our prime minister? Right, it's uh, democracy, amazing. It's, yeah, and uh, it's well, you know, New Zealand. We always like to be uh, pushing the envelope uh, on 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 uh, civil rights yeah. uh, and um, and all black uh, manoeuvres. But um, it's it, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's an interesting because she actually was being criticised uh, for withholding the information from everyone, but the coalition. Um, person, the current Prime Minister, Winston Peters, who is, um, for our, our buglers who don't know New Zealand politics, is a bottle of whiskey uh, <laughs> that came to life in the late 1970s uh, to get re-elected for jokes and racial rhetoric. And, and so uh, she's uh, been criticised for letting him know that uh, she was pregnant and therefore insinuating that he only uh, made a coalition with her knowing that he would become active prime minister when she went on parental leave. Because she's right. on parental leave for uh, six weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's paid leave for our American um, <laughs> uh, listeners. Whoa, 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 James. Uh, for American listeners, paid leave is when you're allowed to be off work and you get money. You have to explain the concept of <laughs> yeah, it as well. Sorry, to be democracy is when you relax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and her partner um, was not her husband uh, because a lot of people have been going, oh, her husband. Uh, but no, they're not married. Uh, and that's freaking people out. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, he's on paid leave for a couple of weeks as well. And then he'll be a stay-at-home dad. He used to run a fishing show um, <laughs> called Catch of the Day. Uh, yeah. All of nice. this, all of this is absolutely typical of New Zealand. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I, I think, I think the really heartwarming thing about this story is it's so on brand. <laughs> for New so Zealand. on brand for New Zealand. I'm a Jacinda maniac. Yeah, I love her. It's because she is, to my knowledge, 
the only world leader to have attended one of my stand-up comedy shows. <laughs> as far as apart from that time with Kim Jong Un, but that was a corporate, and it was a booking I'd rather not talk about, and I can't talk about because of a pending case with the MI6. But apart from that, Jacinda Ardern, when she was a, a Labour candidate, I believe, attended one of my comedy shows at the New Zealand Comedy well, Festival. You turned into turned her into prime ministerial I, material, basically. You cannot prove otherwise. Yeah. I am responsible for Jacinda Mania. People have noticed she's very funny, so maybe she was there. She's been inspired by me. I met her afterwards. She seemed like a very nice lady. I I did a gig many years ago that Jeremy Corbyn came to. Really? It was a fundraising gig up in uh, North London, and uh, he sat stony-faced throughout my entire set. (laughs) And, Andy, is he Prime Minister? He's not. He's not Prime Minister. He's accused of being anti-Semitic quite a lot, though, isn't he? (laughs) He is, and this was a this was a Jewish charity gig. <laughs> interesting, so, interesting. Uh, yeah. um, uh, it's very rare to have a democratically elected baby uh, chosen, of course, on a minority <laughs> vote by the New Zealand electorate. The rest of the vote was split. Some wanted uh, Jacinda to just get a puppy, whereas, and around ten percent voted uh, for her and uh, Clark to wait a while, move to a bigger house before they had their first child. But you know, the, the democracy won out. The early indications, however, James, are that the uh, the baby is not as high quality. As the uh, recent unelected monarchy-infused royal baby, be birthed by her royal mumminess, uh, Princess Duchess Kate, uh, out of Wills and Kate, who sprogged out on April for a third consecutive time in the Royal Facundry Unit in the Royal Britannica Wing at St Hereditary's Hospital, London. Um, three consecutive certified princes or princesses uh, for for Kate. That means she qualifies for a new golden womb. Does <laughs> she get the bonus yeah. for the third one? You get the bonus on the third. Um, so uh, I mean, they are still waiting confirmation that Prince Louis is uh, does test positive for princishness. But that's expected to be a formality. Um, but uh, the, I mean, the New Ze- the New Zealand power top uh, may have the force of the public will behind it, but it's not allowed to wear a crown, which makes it a less good baby. <laughs> whilst uh, Prince Louis's infant tears can cure anything from facial wrinkling to early onset republicanism. <laughs> um, uh, and the royal nipper, unlike regular human babies, pukes and shits only when God intends it to. Whilst uh, Jacinda Ardern, who is sadly mortal, is going to be uh, cleaning. Chandler off her suits for the next uh, eight I'm not sure she is model. I'll be honest, mate. Really? I, w- I was touring New Zealand uh, last year after the election, um, after the election, after Edinburgh, um, before the election, and it was it was like following the Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going around. I was like in town halls, and like people go, "Oh, uh, you know who was here last week?" I said, "Is that Jacinda? She was, she was in last week, man." Oh, like people go, "Oh, Jacinda was here. Jacinda has come." <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Have you like, met her, presumably, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I've got a cell phone number, mate. It's, uh, it's New Zealand. It's New Zealand. It's New Zealand. <laughs> I'll flick her a text after this. Hey, we're just talking about your. <laughs> if you've got a problem, I can just find the Prime Minister, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah me, Taika Waititi, <laughs> Cinder Ardern, Sam Neill was probably in there. <laughs> Lord. That's that's the new backline for the All Blacks, in case you're wondering. Yeah. And my ex-flatmate and current comedian, Rose Matafeo, is playing Fly Half. Yeah. Very talented. Very, very talented. talented. Do you guys, have you ever heard of Rob Muldoon? Uh, don't think New so. Zealand Prime Minister during the Thatcher years. So oh, right. the, well, actually, the early, early Thatcher, the late seventies uh, through the early eighties. Oh, right. I um, thought that was Buck Shelford, was it? Uh, no, no, he was oh, in the uh, late eighties. He's oh, the right. guy. He got he got a um, testicle ripped out during a rugby game. Oof. Went to the side, chucked it in a jar, kept on playing. Legend. <laughs> let me let me rephrase. That's the most New Zealand thing yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, he didn't quite chuck it in a jar, did he? But I mean, it's a nice touch. Yeah. 
Well, let's go with a chucking it in a jar. <laughs> he fed it to an actual kiwi bird. He planted it, and a mighty totara <laughs> grew from. You're checking it now. You're fact checking. Have you checked it in a jar? But um, are you? What are you googling, Zoltzman? Is it the phrase "Did the New Zealand Prime Minister chuck his bollock in a tin"? No, no. Rob, well, Rob Muldoon wasn't that. Rob yeah. Muldoon uh, called a snap election and lost. Um, but that's not the important part. The important part is he called it on national TV while drunk. <laughs> And the New Zealand public went, oh, yep, this seems legit. We'll go along with this. So when you say that a baby could become a prime minister and be very good at it, there's a little bit of precedence to the New Zealand public kind of going along with that. (laughs) To round off our Pacific section this week, here now are the official Bugle Pacific Facts. The Pacific Ocean is full of water. It is renowned as being one of the wateriest places ever seen. It makes even a renowned sea such as the Mediterranean look like a puddle of anonymously delivered piss under a chair in a nursing home. (laughs) Many creatures live in the Pacific Ocean, although they don't always get on. In fact, an estimated 4.3 million interspecies murders are committed in the Pacific every second. If you poured all the water in the Pacific Ocean into double-decker London buses and laid those double-decker buses end-to-end, you would have the longest, wettest traffic jam in history, (laughs) stretching approximately 6.35 quadrillion kilometres. If the bus at the back got annoyed and flashed its lights. The bus at the front would not see that light flashing for around about 672 years, give or take, by which time all the buses would have been ruined, corroded by the salty Pacific water, with barely even a trace of these skeletal remains of the drivers and passengers. If you then took all the buses to a bus repair depot, which had a maximum capacity of 15 buses under repair at a time, and refurbished the ruined interiors, repainted the rusting bodywork and fitted the buses with new, more environmentally friendly engines, (laughs) taking an estimated two months per batch of 15 buses, the heat death of the universe would interrupt your repair schedule, with over 99.8% of the buses still f***ed. I think I got a bit confused. If you fitted a plug hole at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and then pulled it out to let all the water drain out and to try to find something you dropped in the sea somewhere near Hawaii or something, you'd still be waiting after a billion years. And that's assuming that the plug hole was unusually big to start with and it didn't get clogged up with Amelia Earhart's aeroplane. In 1521, (laughs) elite-level exploration celeb Ferdinand Magellan successfully sailed across the Pacific Ocean. Well done him. Terrific effort from the lad, but he was disqualified from becoming the first man to circumnavigate the globe when he copped a bit of non-voluntary death in a skirmish in what is now the Philippines. <laughs> but even if Magellan had survived, he'd be dead by now anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Here we go. That's all the Pacific facts we need. A lot of research went into that. Archie did quite a lot of the maths for that. That was a... I'm confused. There's a lot of noughts flying around. Where do you have time to parent your children? What, They're what the children? researchers. <laughs> They're the, it's, it's homework. Yeah. Right, maths, kids. <laughs> UK news now, and the UK is running out of carbon dioxide. Shit. This is terrible news, Andy. Uh, we are the factories that produce the gas are running out. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, which doesn't sound necessarily like bad news, but let me tell you, this is how uh, CNBC reported it. Uh, a shortfall of CO2 in Europe uh, is an ill-timed crisis. And that is not hyperbole, Andy, because we need CO2 for barbecues and to put the fizz in our beer. And if we cannot, 
overcook meat in the summer and drink health-endangering amounts of shit lager, then what are we as a nation? <laughs> this could not have come at a worse time. During the World Cup as well. What if England get to the final and ultimately lose on penalties? How will people get drunk and attack trams? That is not... That is genuinely something that happened in Croydon <laughs> when England went out of the 2002 World Cup. People got drunk and fought a tram. Right. And we have, we have had the gall to criticise New Zealand as not being a real country. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it is a huge, a huge worry. Uh, and, uh, well, buglers, uh, particularly British buglers, if you're listening, please do send in your spare carbon dioxide uh, whilst listening to the bugles. Fit to your mouth and uh, nozzle area <laughs> with a special filter to siphon off all the CO2. And then take it down your local supermarket or pub uh, for them to use on their beer. Breathe more and breathe faster. <laughs> do your bit. And more importantly, if you see any plant, kill it. Um, these... <laughs> De facto prohibition supporting carbon dioxide thieves just sit there expecting the world to move around them and are quite happy to see beer-starved Brits lying in crumbled heaps outside bars and nightclubs muttering, how can I possibly converse without alcohol? <laughs> Theresa May has also had a, a difficult week uh, and uh, you can just copy and paste that for all of the weeks. <laughs> Uh, in the last sort of 18 months for her. Uh, she said this morning that she wants to see uh, the Brexit talks accelerate and intensify, which is a bit like someone standing in front of a bus and shouting at the bus to hurry the f*** up. <laughs> yes. I mean, when you think of other things that have accelerated and intensified, uh, Thelma and Louise's car. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect, the perfect <laughs> Brexit metaphor. And yesterday she was caught up in a, an, uh, an unfortunate PR gaffe uh, because uh, Charles Michel, the Belgian Prime Minister, presented Theresa May with a uh, Belgian football team top ahead of yesterday evening's England versus Belgium World Cup game. Uh, and then she held up the strip, and this is from the Guardian report, before realising that doing so might be considered a PR gaffe. She attempted to swiftly stash it away, only for fellow leaders gathered around her to point to the TV monitors showing her reaction live. <laughs> and at this point, we have to ask the question, can she do anything? <laughs> Is she capable or aware of anything that is going on around her? I feel like there's a wonderful metaphor for Brexit, though. Because she held it up, yeah. she realised she, what she was doing, she snatched it away, and then Europe laughed at her. <laughs> <laughs> or the, a better Brexit metaphor would have been for her to hold it up, realise it was a mistake, and then just keep on holding it up anyway <laughs> as Europe laughed at her. Um, apparently, she's not, uh, she's not a huge uh, football fan. She's more, and this is terrible news for all of us, Andy, she's more of a cricket fan. She's, she is a big cricket fan, yeah. I would imagine how desperate things would be if she, if she did not have the civilising influence of cricket in her life. <laughs> do, do you know this? She's expressed... you know who her favourite batsman is? Uh, I do. Je Jeffrey Boycott. Of course, Theresa May's favourite batsman Boycott. is Jeffrey Boycott. Now, for our American listeners uh, who are not aware of the works of Jeffrey Boycott, uh, with whom I, I commentated on the radio for a day last year, um, he... Uh, he was a defensive batsman. I think it's not going out on a limb to, to say that for our, for our non-cricket fan listeners. He essentially played cricket as if trying to eradicate the entire concept of hope from the universe. <laughs> but, you know, he did an effective job for England for many years. It's more like a narcoleptic, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's with a bat. Yeah. If we're translating it into American sporting terms, he's the uh, American football equivalent of a player who just spends the whole game sat on the ball. <laughs> 
He's uh, for our American listeners. He's basically everything you hate about cricket <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in yes, one yes, person. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Imagine if LeBron James sat in the basket the entire game. It's that. It's that for five days. World Cup news now, and uh, well, it's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming. Well, I mean, it, we have seen one of the greatest uh, greatest days in English football history. Uh, <laughs> heroic performance, a result no one could quite believe. Unprecedented in the living memory of England's national game. Germany nil, South Korea 2. <laughs> it's coming home! Um, uh, Germany, an amazing World Cup record. They've been semi-finalists in uh, 12 of the last 16 World Cups. Uh, Nish, do you know the last time Germany did not reach the last eight of a World Cup? I do. Yeah. 1938. And yeah, they didn't take that well. <laughs> So let's hope times times have changed. Um, I like how we're all joking about that day, but we're also not really no. joking about that day. No, we're all slightly concerned. Um, England, meanwhile, just last night, roared to a brilliant 1-0 defeat by Belgium. <laughs> leaving us to be only Colombia in the next round and then Sweden or Switzerland. Uh, not just an easier route to our glorious destiny in the first of between five and ten consecutive World Cup wins, but also cleverly avoiding matches against teams uh, with which our tabloid press can dig up and trivialise and debase historic conflicts. We're going to have to really go something to find find much to to get childish about with with Colombia. But before uh, England's brilliant 1-0 defeat to Belgium, um, (laughs) we'd hammered Panama 6-1. I mean... Take that, you canal-waggling, isthmus-hogging, hat-obsessive, cigar-chomping bastards. You had that coming, you ocean-straddling losers. Payback for being the location of the ill-fated Darien scheme in the 1690s that led to the near-bankruptcy of Scotland, prompting the Act of Union in 1707 that formed the United Kingdom, which, of course, recently voted for Brexit. It's all your fault, Panama! Vengeance is a dish best served cold, and unrelatedly. Now, go home and buy another vowel and think of a name for your capital city, your canal, or your hat that isn't just the same name as your country. There has been a lot of talk about how a lot of the... No real team has stated, uh, has kind of put down a kind of marker of a performance. There are teams that have played well. But uh, all I will say is Russia are doing well. (laughs) And that's where I'll leave it. Russia are doing well. The World Cup is in Russia. Russia are doing well. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Russia are doing well. Right. Say no more. The World Cup is in Russia. And Russia are doing well. Yep. It's Nishkumar, Nishkumar saying that. Nishkumar. Well, as discussed, Germany did suffer really one of the most the biggest failures in their footballing history. And um, biggest well, failure in Russia, biggest failure in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've got, a, I guess, a bit of a checkered record <laughs> in that part of the world. Um, Imagine if they'd been playing in Leningrad. <laughs> um, once again, uh, we are very delighted to have access to the uh, commentary from our colleagues on uh, Deutschland Television Schweinsweister, um, who we, uh, Sam we, par- we partnered, partnered with in uh, 2014, the German national TV channel. And here are the closing moments, as described once again by the commentary team uh, of the former German internationals, Torsten von Schnauz and Manfred Wittelschnitz. Es ist still der 0-0, aber das Nationalmannschaft im zweiten Weg zu Triumph von Deutscher gewinnen nicht den 
ja, Torsten, aber es ist Weltkappe, haben bin sehr, sehr scheit. Ja, Manfred, aber wir werden ein mit Seconds Left in der Match an seinen Gewinn, der Fünf von Deutscher Weltcup. Torsten, South Korea haben ein Tor. Was? Es, es war ein Goal. Was, ein Wort? Ein Goal. Wo Deutsch? Vor Südkorea, Deutschland 0, Südkorea 1. Wort? Südkoreaner haben sticken sie wohl hinter den Backrunden. 1-0. Scheit! Was der heilige F***! Wir mussten aufscoren, zwei Goals in drei Minuten. Scheit! Du elf Pfeile, du Scheit! Manuel Neuer, not in the goal! Achtung! Achtung! Scheitende Fußstickte! Machtsetzung auf Auber! Achtung, gescheit! Ein anderen Goal, Thorsten, 2-0. Ich habe mein Luftflauchbucken von der Tag nach dem Finale! Da scheit! Ich bin geflammegastig! Wacken, die Scheit! Wir sind bescheid in der Fußball von der Engländer! Scheit! Thanks to our uh, German colleagues for <laughs> Jesus God. <laughs> bit, of, bit of revenge, Andy. I love my job. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's uh, Bugle. Uh, a couple of gigs to alert you to. Uh, next week, Satirist for Hire World Cup Special Woo! at the uh, Underbelly featuring me and Nish. Uh, and there's a live bugle on the 10th of July uh, as well, uh, also at the Underbelly, and uh, live bugles in Edinburgh, the 5th and 22nd of August. All other live bugle dates are uh, on the internet. Uh, James, you're going to be in Edinburgh? Uh, yeah, I'll be uh, in Edinburgh uh, at the stands doing my show on sports and politics called Talk a Big Game. <laughs> that sounds my kind of show. <laughs> yeah, um, right up Zoltzman's alley. Uh, Nish? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in Edinburgh, 4.30 of the Monkey Barrel, uh, tickets are surprisingly going quickly for that one, so do book for that. My, I, and then I'm touring in the UK. Tickets are wildly available. <laughs> wildly available. If you know, like, 300 people who live in Darlington, yeah, send them my way. Crawley selling well? I'm, not, I'm actually not going back to Crawley. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like some kind of horrific euphemism. <laughs> heard about him, he's not going back to Crawley. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for listening, Buglers. Uh, thanks, James, for a terrific Bugle debut. Nice to see you again, Nish. And you, you haven't even been globetrotting since the last time you were on. You usually had some story about... I've been in LA and New York. Oh, right, okay, you have. Yeah, All right, I've been so. in America. Yeah, I got a, that doesn't really count. I got a warning from the New York Police Department, which maybe I'll talk about next time I'm on here. <laughs> I've never had a warning from the New York Police Department. I've, I've had a warning the, from what, the New York what's Police the, Department. What's, what's, what's the possible difference there? <laughs> <laughs> I've generally had one too. That's not a thing. There's many ways we're quite, quite simple. Anyway, I, don't know, I don't know what. I don't think Don Oliver's ever had a warning. Anyway, Buglers, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. 
Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.